text for the sermon this morning comes from the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. We find ourselves once again in chapter 14. This time looking at verses 21 through 22 of Acts chapter 14. Let's hear God's word from Acts 14, verses 21 through 22. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. After Paul and Barnabas had finished their missionary journey, they did not immediately set their eyes on home. They did not immediately head back to Antioch. Instead, they set their eyes on the churches, the cities that they had all visited previously. They went back throughout each of those towns in order that they might see how the saints had been doing, that they might encourage them. And I'm confident that much as those saints needed strengthening, that you need strengthening this morning. Many of you are going through very difficult trials. Trials of job loss, miscarriages, Loneliness, accusations of sin, rejection by unbelieving family members, cancer, chronic pain, illness, financial difficulties. The list goes on and on of the tribulations we might be going through. Almost all of you are suffering to one degree or another, and that's can cause great discouragement. You perhaps are asking yourself, why do I have to suffer this trial? We are also asking corporately as a church, going through a season of difficulty. We find ourselves asking the question, why does church planting have to be so difficult? We all need to be strengthened this morning. And our sermon text is a text that should strengthen us. Christ has built his church on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And just like a foundation provides strength and support to to the walls of a house, so this divinely inspired instruction from the apostles strengthens us. It strengthens us by reminding us that we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. And to be strengthened, we must understand the reality of tribulation. A well-prepared soldier will understand the reality of warfare before he goes onto the battlefield. Many idealistic and optimistic young men went to the trenches of World War I thinking they understood warfare. 
They thought they were going to win fame and glory for themselves. They thought they were going to go and fight for king and country. They thought they would be back home in time for Christmas. Many of those idealistic, optimistic young men very quickly found out they were wrong. Many of them died shortly after going to the trenches on the continent. Others suffered for years and went home horribly maimed in body or in mind. If you are to be well equipped for the Christian life, you must understand the reality of tribulation. And first off, there is no but, if, or maybe of trials in the Christian life. It is a certainty that the disciples of Christ will suffer. This is the reality. It strikes me how matter-of-fact these words are in our text. There's a simple statement. There is no explanation. There is no nuance. There are simply the words. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. We recognize that the tribulations of this life can take on many different forms. The difficulties we can have are as often varied as our own personalities. And there are sufferings that are common to both believers and unbelievers. This fallen world is a world filled with suffering. There are natural sufferings we might endure. Sufferings that come as a result of living in a fallen world. These include hail, hurricanes, tornadoes, and fires. There are also physical sufferings that more directly affect the human body, such as sickness, cancer, miscarriages, and even death. Then there are going to be what I call mental sufferings, even though I recognize that there can be both physical and spiritual components to these. Mental sufferings can include things like depression, anxiety, fear, and loneliness. So another category of suffering is alien suffering. And by alien suffering, I don't mean suffering caused by little green men in spaceships. Instead, I refer to, to suffering caused by others. I think here of rape, theft, murder, and persecution. There is self-suffering, suffering that is the result of our own actions, whether those are, are good actions or, or sinful actions. You might think here of the suffering that David brought into his life by murdering Uriah and fornicating with Bathsheba. Suffering in our life is, is sometimes a direct result of our actions, of, of what we have done. These are just some of the ways we can categorize the sufferings we might endure. I don't provide this list to, to discourage you about all the ways you can suffer. Rather, I provide this list so that you understand the reality. 
There, there are indeed many ways we can suffer in this life so that you have your eyes open to see the wide breadth of suffering. These are the tribulations that have afflicted people since Adam and Eve fell in the garden. And while almost every single person, every single human being can suffer in these ways, there is something unique about the suffering of Christians. You might realize that while most people try to avoid suffering, Christians should expect suffering. And this doesn't mean we, we try to find ways to suffer more than, than most people. We're not actively looking out to, to see how can I make my life more miserable. Quite the opposite, actually. Paul urges us to pray for rulers that we might live quiet and peaceable lives. But we still should expect suffering. It's like doing maybe doing a project around your home. You hope it will be easy, but you expect it won't. You expect you're going to run into problems. You expect you're going to have to maybe go to Lowe's five or six times before you're done that project. Christians aren't to be looking for the easy life because they should know that the easy life isn't the reality for them. And this is where our text should hit us hard. We must, through many tribulations, enter kingdom of God. The suffering of Christians is also distinct in that believers tend to suffer more than the average person. We know from many of the psalms, some of which we've sung this morning already, that God often allows the unbeliever to have a peaceful and prosperous life. The believer's life is one of hardship and difficulty. Was this difference that caused Asaph to say in Psalm 73, Behold, these are the ungodly, he says. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. He says, Surely I have cleansed my hands in vain. Now, what use is it for me to, to live this life of faith if it has no seeming advantage to me? might think here of the believing couple who longed for children but struggle with fertility and then they they see the the unbelieving couple who who has no trouble getting pregnant but then go and murder their unborn children we can think of the believer who loves god deeply and yet loses his wife and child to cancer. Then you look at the unbeliever who denies God and lives a life of immorality, and yet his wife and child never die from cancer. They live long and happy lives. This brings up all sorts of questions. And part of the reality of tribulations, especially tribulations for Christians, is that they provoke perplexing questions about faith and life. The suffering of the believer can cause doubts. Like with Asaph, it can cause you to question your faith, whether you are following the true religion. 
After all, if, if unbelievers have it so good, why should I go and make my life harder by being a Christian? Suffering can make you discontent. This is the reality of it. it. You might find yourself going through tribulation asking, why do other people have it easier? Why does that family's children all believe? Why do they have it so easy? Suffering can make us question the goodness of God. After all, the age-old question is, is if God is good, why is there evil in the world? Suffering can even make us doubt our own salvation. Or if God is sovereign over all this, if God is doing this to me, am I even a believer? Suffering produces all sorts of questions. Suffering can make you waver in your faith, and in doing so, it hammers home the importance of what Paul and Barnabas do at the end of their missionary journey, of strengthening the disciples by reminding them of the reality of suffering. This is what it means Live the Christian life. It means personally going through many tribulations. Paul and Barnabas strengthened the disciples by exhorting them to remain faithful. I also want to drive home the normalcy of tribulations in the Christian life. It's not just a reality. It is normal. This is part of us being strengthened as well. If we grasp the fact that this is indeed normal. If we understand something to be normal, it gives us a level of comfort that this isn't something unusual. There isn't something special or unique about me. We're not alone in this. If you don't think suffering is normal, a normal part of the Christian life, when it does happen, you might be left wondering, what is wrong with me? What is, what is wrong with the church? But notice what Paul says. He says, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. But it's not say, Paul does not say there that, well, you ought to endure a few tribulations. He does not say, well, you have one big trying moment in your life. No, he says, you will go through many tribulations. Tribulations in the plural. You will go through many tribulations. And yet this is perhaps one of the forgotten truths in Christianity today, especially in American Christianity the forgotten truth is that there is a normalcy to tribulation. And it is forgotten in part because of, of the cultural era we breathe. Almost all of you here are average middle class Americans. While money might be tight at times, while you may need a, a new job at times, you have almost always had your most basic needs met. If you've ever been hungry, it's, it's more likely because you didn't take the time to eat or, or you fasted than uh, the result of a lack of resources. In fact, because of the cultural error, 
of our lives, you've likely grown to expect a certain kind of lifestyle. You expect to have a nice home, a decent car, money and time for vacation, good and plentiful food. You expect law enforcement to do its job. You expect the healthcare system to make you better. You expect a life of relative ease. You expect a happy, prosperous, easy, successful, peaceful life. And expecting that is, is not wrong in and of itself. Ecclesiastes reminds us that we are to enjoy the fruit of our labors. We are to eat our bread with joy and drink our wine with a merry heart and live joyfully with the wife of our youth. We can enjoy the good gifts God has given us. The problem is that often that expectation turns into a demand. We demand we are given the American dream, and when that demand gets threatened, we get angry. We get angry at others, or we get angry at God. We last lapse into self-pity, feeling sorry for ourselves, for how difficult it is. We cry out in discontentment with what we have. We become envious at the prosperity of others. We ask, why does my life have to be so difficult? With that response, I fear that many of us have forgotten the reality of our text this morning. We have forgotten what the apostles told us here, that we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Normalcy for the Christian life is not peace and prosperity. Rather, it is affliction. And I wish I had a cheerier message for you this morning. This is what Scripture tells us. This is what you've signed up for when you were baptized or made profession of your faith. You signed up for a life of tribulation. And it's very obvious to us that this passage is diametrically opposed to the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that plays on Sunday televisions in the United States. We recognize that, and we often poke fun at the Joel Osteens or the Kenneth Copelands or, or the Benny Hins of this life. But when tribulation strikes us, when tribulation suddenly becomes very personal to us, we are left shocked and dismayed, asking, well, what's wrong? We are shaking our faith that God would dare allow something to happen to us. We ask, what did I do to deserve this? Don't I deserve better, God? This is because we often have a little prosperity preacher in our hearts that says, you are good, you are a decent person. God owes you an easy life. We might cognitively expect tribulation. After all, that's what Scripture says our lives are like, but... So often that's far from the reality. And, and when tribulation does happen, we're left asking questions. We often expect tribulation for everybody else except ourselves. 
Paul hammers home here in our text that tribulation is normal. And his message is no different than the message of Christ himself. Christ himself told us that if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In other words, if we are to be disciples of Christ, we have to take that instrument of torture on our back and follow him. That's not a calling to to an easy life. That's not a calling to a successful, peaceful, prosperous life. Calling to a painful, difficult, hard life. In John 15.10, Christ told his disciples that a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Suffering is normal for the Christian. So if you are going through tribulation... If you are struggling this morning, know that this isn't something unusual happening in your life. Do not be fearful or afraid when the church goes through hardship. This is normal. Peter would give this encouragement in 1 Peter 3, 12-13. He said, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though something strange is happening to you. But you rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Peter's addressing an audience maybe not too uh, distinct from our own. We think it's strange when, when some fiery trial happens to us, and so they thought it's strange. But Peter says, don't think it's strange. This is normal. Don't think it's strange, but rejoice. Rejoice in your sufferings. That is a hard calling. We might, yes, we might accept the reality of of suffering. We might accept the normalcy of suffering. But when the New Testament repeatedly calls us to rejoice in suffering. And we have it here in Peter. James himself, James would also say, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That is hard. That doesn't come naturally. To rejoice in difficulty. And yet I don't want you to walk away thinking that well, the apostles are, are just calling us to a life of the power of positivity. This isn't just some message to, oh yeah, things are, are, are hard. Well, just be happy. You know, if, if you just have a smile on your face, well, you'll, you'll get through it. That's, that's not what they're calling us to. Instead, they're calling us to, to recognize the place of adversity and affliction in life. This is a calling to believe in the necessity of tribulations for the Christian life. Notice again the words of our text. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. 
This isn't a maybe. This is one of those must passages in Scripture. Just as there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, so we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Tribulation is a necessary part of the Christian life. This is a training program, as it were, for disciples. This is a school God has designed to bring his people home. So if you desire everlasting life, if you desire that celestial city, if you want salvation, you must understand that the road to that is the road of tribulation. And to continue with with that military analogy, soldiers will willingly go through the difficulties of training, knowing that at the end they will have uh, their qualifications. A Navy SEAL will, will spend a week going through a hell week so that at the end you can say, I got through that. Yes, it was very, very difficult, but the end was worth it. I can call myself a Navy SEAL. Similarly, this is that calling of joy we are to have that we recognize that this is the path to glory. This is a path to, to a far greater end. That's why we glory in tribulations. This is the partial answer to the why of suffering for the Christian. Why is there suffering in the Christian life? It is because it is indeed the road to glory. This is the road to our loving Savior. The one who saved us. Paul said in Philippians, to live is Christ, to die is gain. The suffering of death is gain for Christian because in dying he gets more of Christ. And so he's willing to go and do that because he loves his Savior so much. He wants more of him and he's content to, to go through suffering that he might know more of his Savior. It is a lot of believers to suffer in this life of 70 or so years. And it's a lot of unbelievers to enjoy this life of 70 or so years. But believers look for and are surely promised an eternity of joy and delight in the presence of God. Abraham wandered as a pilgrim and a stranger for almost all of his life. He never had a home. He wandered about trying to find some place. And yet, as he wandered about, his eyes were fixed on that city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Believers look forward to glory as they go through tribulation. But unbelievers, if they do have the privilege of enjoying this life, they do have an easy and prosperous life. They are, they are destined for an eternity of suffering. This is no more clearly taught for us than in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Where you read the rich man is in great torment. But Abraham says to the rich man, son, Remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. 
But now he is comforted and you are tormented. Suffering is necessary. It is a must because this is the path by which God brings his people to their eternal home. Just as Israel had to wander through the wilderness to get to Canaan, so God's people must wander through the wilderness of this life. Now, God isn't some maniacal sadist who enjoys making people suffer. You often hear that from the unbeliever who, who is angry at God for the suffering in the world. They cry out, why? God must be a horrible, vindictive God that causes all these evils. And yet, we as believers know that that is not the character of God. There's a reason that God reveals himself in Scripture as our Heavenly Father. He, like our earthly fathers, who patiently but purposefully teach their children, he teaches us through the tribulations of this life. When we did sleep training for Micah, our pediatrician said this would be the, the first real challenge for Micah. This would be the first very difficult learning experience for him. Described as, as Micah's first test. as an opportunity for him to grow. Now, Micah likely didn't understand why we weren't coming to check up on him when he was crying. He didn't understand why we weren't feeding him in the middle of the night anymore. It was hard for him. And he would often get quite angry at us. However, over a few days, he, he learned something that will serve him for the rest of his life. He, he learned to sleep through the night. And similarly, we may not know why God is bringing us through a particular tribu tribulation. We don't understand why we have to deal with job difficulties, financial hardships, illness, turmoil in the church but it is the heart of faith that but trust in God's character, that God has his purposes, his loving and, and gracious and kind purposes for bringing us through these things. The heart of faith knows the character of God, that he is good and merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. The heart of faith looks to love that God showed in Christ Jesus. That God's love, His love for His very own people and His love for His very own Son, His only begotten Son, meant that His Son still had to go through the intense suffering of, of taking on human flesh, of being incarnated and going through the way of the cross. God didn't just, couldn't just forgive His sins. There's a path to procuring salvation for his people. That hard path had to be followed. Heart of faith trusts that no matter what the situation, no matter what valley of the shadow of death, God will see us through it. 
like the unquestioning faith of a, of a child in his or her parents. We who know the character of God must follow the path that God has set for our lives. So our trust isn't in our ability to get through the circumstances. Our trust is in the power and the might of our God that when we are weak, he is strong. So often when we are going through difficulty, we put ourselves in the position of God. We say, well, if I was God, I I wouldn't do things this way. I, I could come up with a much greater plan, a much better plan that wouldn't involve any kind of suffering. And this is actually what Job wrestles with throughout, throughout the book. But at the end of the book, he answers the Lord and says, I know you can do everything and with no purpose, and sorry, that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Job wanted to put himself in the position of God and ask, why God? Why did you have to do this? Job learns that he's not in the position to ask that. He wasn't there when God created the world. He doesn't hold the, the treasure houses of snow and hail. Job understood that he is but a creature. God is the creator. We must trust in the character of God amid difficulty. And going through tribulation is a reminder to us that we are indeed children of God. It's a cruel trick of Satan that he will often use suffering to, to bring doubt into the sincere child of God. But tribulation should be a reminder and even a seal to us that we are children of God. Sometimes God brings tribulations into our life to to chastise us, certainly for our sins. Jesus, through the rod of discipline, that our sin is something to be despised. We all all have that great need to grow in our sanctification. And so God brings that rod of of discipline into our lives to, to draw us, not away from him, not to thrust us out, but to draw us closer into his embrace. So what we read of in Hebrews 12. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Discipline is a mark of God's love. Discipline is aspect of God declaring to us, know that you are indeed a legitimate son. I will treat you like a son because I love you far too much than for you to continue in this sin. Hebrews 12 tells us that we should expect suffering. We should expect chastening. This is the mark of divine parental love. Loving parents discipline their children, and sometimes that divine discipline must be very severe. Just consider what David had to go through as a consequence of his sin. David, sorry, God told David after uh, 
uh, murdering Uriah and fornicating with Bathsheba, he, God told him, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. David was repentant. God forgave David. He very mercifully forgave David, and, and David knew the blessedness of having his transgressions forgiven. Yet, David still had to deal with those consequences. There was still discipline for David. It's actually more terrifying if you're never chastised for your sins. Paul says in Hebrews 12 that that might be an evidence that you are actually not a child of God. It would be an evidence that you're an unbeliever. God doesn't just send trials to chasten us. He also sends trials to test the strength of our faith. A good teacher will, will administer tests to his students because he, he wants to be sure that his students are, are grasping the material. Student often doesn't think that teacher is good for administering the test, but but the teacher is. He recognizes this is is one of the tools I have at my disposal to 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 to, to examine and and confirm what you've learned. And similarly, God administers tests in our lives to help us learn and trust in His character. This is what God did with Abraham when He called him to offer up His only son Isaac. God was testing Abraham. He was testing him specifically to see, is Abraham going to trust in his own strength, or or is he going to trust in God? Is he going to trust in his own ability? That, no, God, God doesn't know what he's doing. I'm going to keep my son alive. Or is Abraham going to now trust that God, even if, if Isaac is, is put to death, God will still work out his promises. Remember, Abraham was constantly trying to bring about the promises of God in his own strength. Went into Hagar and had a son from Hagar, rather than trusting in God's timing. Now God tests Abraham to see if he has learned to trust in him. So as you go through trials, your faith must be deeply grounded in the loving character of God. You must believe that God will indeed not break the bruised reed or or quench the smoking flax. If we understand and, and keep in mind in tribulation the character of God, we will have confidence that the Lord will bring us through this. And this is the grounding that Job had. Yes, Job had to be humbled at the end. But Job knew the character of his God as he suffered. As all his children lay dead. As all his wealth was disappeared in a single day. Job confessed faith in God. That naked I came out of the womb, and naked I will return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
That was his confession when everything was taken away from him. But when Satan struck Job's body and and Job was covered with, with leprous sores, even then Job continued to trust in the Lord. Instead, and, and said with confidence, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Job knew the character of his God. He knew the love and grace of God and knew that come what may, God would continue to be loving and faithful. Church, you must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. I wish I could be up here and promise that this life would be easy. That you would have all your prayers answered. That you could have everything your heart desired. That you could have peace and harmony in your families. That you would have the best jobs. That you would have all your earthly needs met. And yet, I cannot do that. Instead, I can promise you something far better than all that. I can promise you the Lord Jesus Christ. I can promise you his perfect and unconditional love if you put your faith in him. I can promise that as you suffer, you will know more of the love of Christ for you. For you in your suffering are filling up the measure of Christ's suffering. I can promise you not an easy life, but an everlasting life in the glories of heaven. Yeah, that path to that glory is the path of tribulation, for we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. And yet, if you trust in Christ, you have the strength to be able to say with Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Relying in Christ grants that strength. Knowing the character of God. Will you trust in Christ this day? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, this life is indeed difficult. There are many trials you put before your people. Many difficulties that bring tears to our eyes, that weigh our hearts down. Sometimes even so much that it feels we can barely move or get out of bed in the morning. And yet, Lord, we know that our life is in your hands. Lord, you told us we must go through many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. Lord, we know your character, that you are a good and loving God. And so, Father, we believe that these things are indeed necessary for us. But Father, we pray that you would grant us the strength, the strength that only Christ can give, the strength to go through difficulties. Lord, build us up, support us, grant us what we stand in need of. We pray.